Welcome back to another episode of the Between Breaths podcast. I'm Jacko and I am your host and you have actually got on an absolute treat today. I'm so excited to speak uh, to Will Burnett. He has ran across the whole of Australia. Um, he was actually, when I was going to get a guest onto podcast, I was like, right, this is this guy I need to speak to. He was the first, he's not ended up being the first guest because he wasn't the first to record with, but he was the first person I reached out to once um, I'd launched the Between Breast podcast because uh, I spoke to him before he did his run. He he started his run across Australia, I think the day after I finished the Ring of Fire. And we spoke and he gave me lots of good advice. Um, <laughs> I ran for three days. He ran for 81 days. So a different kettle of fish. I was just like the... Um, it feels insignificant, but it, it was it was significant at the time. But um, yeah, Will is um, he also teaches breath work. He does a lot of work with trauma. He's a, he's a does a lot of work with veterans. He's a, um, a veteran himself. Um, he's got a very powerful story, very powerful message. He's full of love, full of compassion, um, very humble and an honest guy, and doing some amazing work. And he shares his story with us. Um, in this podcast and um, I think you're gonna um, absolutely love it um, and um, yeah I can't I can't thank him enough for coming on and also look forward to hearing um, what you make of uh, of this podcast episode um, in terms of endurance running and events there was one thing we discussed around um, uh, what what sort of issues around diet and being able to eat enough but also what he was fueling with and a lot of his training being um with a uh, a ketogenic diet and ketosis so um he had himself been using the uh, the ketones ketone iq that i've been talking about recently and um thank you to hvmn as ever for sponsoring the between uh, breaths podcast um, he like myself has been using it to help with fuel his training, but also when he's not training to help with improving uh, brain fog and, and focus. Um, so he, as I have been, is is enjoying the product. I thank HVMN for sponsoring the podcast. And to let you know, you can get 20% off uh, with code Jacko at hvmn.com, or you can literally click the link in the, in the show notes, which will be hvmn.com forward slash Jacko and it puts the code in automatically for you and you get your 20% discount um, automatically. You don't even have to worry about putting it in. So there you have it. 20% uh, off uh, Ketones IQ um, with code Jacko at hvmn.com. So without further ado, uh, here is William Burnett on the Between Breaths podcast. We enter this world taking our first breath and sadly we leave this place taking our last and what i want to do with this podcast is to explore what happens between those breaths i'm david jackson jacko and this is the between breaths podcast so will welcome to the between breaths podcast i've been yeah i'm very excited to to talk to you so so welcome thanks brother it's uh it's been a moment but i'm, I'm glad we're sitting down together and talking again Yes, you say you say again. Um, there's my excitement comes from just for the context of the listeners. We spoke just before I did uh, what was my big thing, which turns out to be in context to be a little thing. My big thing last year was in terms of a, a run, an ultra marathon, was a three day, uh, uh, hundred thirty five mile, 
260 or something kilometer um, run around Anglesey in North Wales. And Will kindly um, hosted a, an Instagram live and, and gave me some some very good advice. Um, everything from what salt, what what um, what salts to take on, which I'd never had a single bit of cramp with the LMNT on. So shout out to them and shout out to you for that. Um, but yes, tell us, tell people about just firstly, I think, what did you actually, what did you, what did your run into? How far did it go? Then we'll get into just the whole, the, the why and the, the who, but what did you, just to hit them with something big, what did you do? <laughs> <laughs> I ran from the Western coast of Australia to the most Eastern point of Australia. And it was a total of uh, 4,550 kilometers in 81 oh. days. 4,000 kilometers in what, 80? 81 days. And was that continuous? Did you have any days off or was it 81 days straight? 81 days straight. Yeah. So it's uh, ultra marathon a day. I've just done a very dysfunctional breathing pattern of it. Just took a big sigh. It's not because I'm <laughs> not because I've suddenly become sensitive to CO2, but literally because my nervous system has just gone. Jackie, you did three days and you were as, as broken a man as you've ever been like, uh, yeah, get, before we get, so give us an intro of like the why, like why do that? And mm -hmm. I think, you know, you've got a strong why and you have, you wouldn't be able to do something like that unless you had a strong why. But then also for the listeners that haven't come across, like who's this Jack dude with loads of tats? It looks pretty cool. That's just told me he's run a thousand kilometers in 81 days. Like, I want to know who this guy is. Like if someone that doesn't know who you are, who is William? Thank you, man. Um, yeah. So I'm i I'm a veteran. I was in the military for 12 years and I was a physical training instructor. Um, nowadays I practice and facilitate, uh, breath work and a myriad of other tools in, in nervous system regulation. Uh, work closely with veterans and emergency responders and, uh, more recently, uh, with men specifically. And, and my role inside of that container is to provi provide these men an opportunity to learn how to regulate their nervous system, learn how to come into their body. Uh, and that has a flow on effect into their lifestyles. There's, there's loads of byproducts we could talk about there. Um, but for the most part, I, I am guiding uh, men back to that father archetype, back to that masculine archetype uh, where we've uh, slowly drifted away from in the last century, you know. So when I left the military, um, I was medically discharged, okay. So I had a, I had a series of physical and uh, mental health conditions um, that retired me at the age of 27. And on, on my final specialist appointment, the specialist said to me that I was going to end up in a wheelchair uh, before 35 because my conditions were uh, presumably going to get worse as the days went on. Wow. Uh, and that's everything from osseo and rheumatoid arthritis through my ankles, knees, hips, and spine. Yeah. Excuse me. To torn shoulders, you know, knees. Um, I had cysts in both my knees, uh, collapsed discs in the lower half of my lumbar. Um, PTSD, depression, bipolar, personality disorder. And there's a very, very long list of accepted conditions. And that's scary um, to hear, right? At, like at, at, at that age. Yeah. Very much like at, at 27 and I, I had a family, you know, I have a family and I, at that point I had three children. Uh, we had one on the, one on the way or one planned at that time. And, uh, you know, they, they were saying I was going to be medically retired, never to work ever again and to be in a wheelchair 
Yeah. Now, you know, that that is confronting and at the same time very rewarding to to receive that information when when you've got a mindset like the one that I had and, and the one that I practice day to day. You don't want to be beaten. You know, you don't want to hear that. You don't want to hear that the the future for you is bleak and you know, you're going to be, you know, disabled and all of these things. It's not an identity identity that I was willing to shift into. And so when I, when I left, I, I floated around and I fell back onto what I was comfortable. I went back to coaching CrossFit, I, you know, coaching strength conditioning. And, and then I, uh, yeah. I explored a little stint at F45 and it made my, made my blood cringe just being inside of that in, environment. Not the people, <laughs> the community is fantastic. Community is fantastic. Uh, but the amount of autonomy people get to throw weights around in such a short amount of time really scared me. And so I stepped away from that and um, I took every last cent that was in our bank account, much to my wife's dismay. And uh, I invested it in learning from the best in the world. I went and knocked on the doors of who I knew at that time were the best at what, what they were doing and what, what we now know as this, this tool of, of breath work and, and uh, I spent four years inside of that, inside of that educational framework. And at the same time, um, developing my own theories around how uh, trauma was manifesting in the body physically and emotionally and how we could tap into that and re redesign uh, a new personality or personal reality, as Joe Dispenza would refer to it as, so that I could overcome these injuries, so I could heal these injuries. Now... For the for the listeners, they're probably thinking, you know, arthritis is you can't you can't heal that, you know, or, or there's these, you know, PTSD and depression. Yes, we may be able to move beyond that, but it's always present. And my theories were that you could, you can, and I have. And so for that time, and it's been seven years now, um, in that time, my theories grew legs and started to walk on their own. And the further I went down the rabbit hole in the science and the spirituality the more I discovered about how possible and how real these practices can be and how potent they become. And uh, it took me three years from start to finish to really um, challenge my theories. Um, and that's why I took up, I took up the fire, the baton and said, I'm going to take this forward and prove that it can be done. And in the same time, you know, educate along the way and provide people, veterans specifically, the opportunity to know that there is another way. Mm. You don't have to be medically discharged, go on uh, <clears throat> pharmaceuticals for the rest of your life, talk therapy for hours and hours and feel like you're not getting anywhere. You can access these alternate states of consciousness where we can recreate new narratives <clears throat> in our own conscious awareness and redevelop a new human and this run across Australia was exactly that. It was the experiment. You know, I had had these theories. I um, hypothesized that there was different parts of the run that would test and I would implement these practices and these tools and at the same time rehabilitate myself um, whilst training and doing the run. And so, you know, every theory was challenged. Every variable that, that I considered had popped up tenfold and then some. And so, you know, by the time I got to the east coast of Australia, um, my final ascent into, into the township of Byron Bay, which is the town on the, yeah, yeah. On the east coast there, um, I chose to do a 24-hour run on the final, final day, which ended up getting me uh, to 100 and, 
108 miles or 110 miles in, in 24 hours. It was the first time I'd ever done that, but wow. it was, it was the final piece of the experiment to be like, well, I just did 80 days of ultra marathons, you know, this one last, you know, crack at the crack at the um, experiment. Let's really see how potent this is. And it took everything in me. Yes, I was depleted. I was fairly malnourished. I was living off two and a half thousand calories a day when I was burning roughly eight thousand to fourteen thousand, depending on the distance what? I was running. <laughs> and How so I was fairly only... depleted. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Is, was that just? Did you not have anyone there giving you some? <laughs> why? Why? Why so depleted? And so when you when you run, like you know, Jacko, like when you when you do consecutive miles in consecutive days. You know, you try and consume as much okay. as you can, and it, it becomes really, it is. It becomes really difficult to to consume enough calories or even eat. Um, which for me, I'm a huge advocate for the eating process, much less the smoothie or juice process, because you know, masticating, chewing, it's it's part of the digestive system, mm -hmm. and we want to incorporate as much of those behaviors as possible, especially when trying to keep the nervous system down regulated. Yeah. Um, and so I just couldn't consume, and no, and the other okay. factor there is roadkill you know i never i never expected it to impact me as much as it did but when you're day in and day out running past 20 30 plus dead kangaroos or emus Ugh. or goats or wombats like the smell just oh just yeah. stays with you and when you get back to the camp you don't feel like eating meat yeah. um you know finding fresh produce that's not being sprayed in pesticides and insecticides is near on impossible yeah. just due to the very nature of Australia being a desert. And so it was, it was a lot of smoothies as much, you know, peanut butter and chocolate protein and, you know, almond milk and, and MCT oils and all of those things was as much as that as I could jam into a smoothie. And then during the day while I was running, it was salts, um, frozen mango. I become quite fond of mango. frozen mango. Mine was watermelon. Someone brought me a watermelon and I was like, I thought they were Jesus. Uh, I was like, I didn't even realize I liked watermelon. I was like, watermelon. <laughs> yeah. I just imagine you just like in this watermelon. Oh my word. It was on my, I mean, it makes, it sounds, I don't want to say last day because it was, it, well, no, it was last day. It was, only, it was only three days long. But yeah, by then it was like, yeah, it came out of this corner. There was this guy who was also called Dave who had done the, done the event a few times in the past before and set up his little camper van and had like a spread of things just for people coming past. And it was like, oh, what a fucking legend. Um, anyway, yeah. What a legend. What, um, just give us a bit of you, um, the, uh, forgive me if like my, I've, I've got so many questions and the order of them is just gonna go potentially out of the window just, but um, so apologies for that. And also for, <laughs> for the listeners for that. But you just mentioned there, cause one thing we think about is like your, you're running from the west coast to east coast you did, and, and said like basically like a, running through a desert like what was the are you running on a road all the time or is it is it off-road is it a bit of both like yeah and where did you stay like you said go back to camp did you have to go somewhere for the night and then go back to the start for the next day again what what was some of the logistics like because having done that sort of process just for only three days like it's horrendous logistically as well. Um, but so yeah, what, what was it like? Paint the picture for us. So those that are in 
other parts so i spent of the... i spent most of my days running on um like bitumen or tar roads which were main highways predominantly because australia in the middle of australia specifically you don't really get to suburbia until you get to bigger townships which are well established but um most of the townships i was passing uh from the west coast right to the middle of south australia you know there's 200 odd kilometers between each town and, and they're mostly just made up of road houses where you could fill up gas or petrol or yeah. um you know a, a takeaway shop where they've got a, a 24 hour bay marie which is cooking just plastic shit and um you know so and, and then you've got places to stay as well where you can just like pull up your, your caravan and, and you can stay in your caravan so i spent nearly nearly 85 percent on main roads um running against traffic on the shoulder and the shoulder was less less than a meter you know and and yeah. prior to the the road finishing it was all like scrub or gravel or bush or shrubs and and so stay on this this narrow narrow shoulder um and it was very hilly from the western coast to south australia was super hilly and then from south australia the middle of south australia to the middle of new south wales was monstrous hills um and with camp specifically like I chose, I chose to have a small team. When we first started planning this project, uh, I, I thought, you know what? I'll get as many people as I can to support professionals to help with my recovery. And uh, we'll, we'll have a, we'll have a killer team. And, and then getting closer, I was getting signs. Universe was just presenting me signs. And so I made the decision to cut the team back and really like minimize it as much as I possibly could, which meant uh, it was myself my wife and my two children, and then my best friend, who was my support vehicle driver, who stayed with me every single day and, and met wow. me at checkpoints to refill my hydration. And so day-to-day -day occurrence would be, we'd wake up, you know, uh, 03.30, I'd get up, go through my morning protocol, um, some breath work, meditation, visualization, some range of motion. And then I'd use the Theragun to just, you know, bash into my legs as much as I could. <laughs> and, um, you know, from zero four thirty, we'd be on the road and we'd drive to the start point, whether that be back or forward, depending on the township. We'd we'd drive to that start point. The longest drive we had was two hours one day, and then by the oh. end of that day, we were half an hour out. But driving uh, then, two hours just to start is just so demoralizing. We had like between thirty and forty five minutes at, at most to get to the start of each morning. Yeah. Yeah, I feel that. So like two two hours, it's like, well, if I'm going to be sitting in for two hours, it's not ideal to be sitting in a car in that position. Mm -hmm. And so I'd try and recline as much as I could. I'd use the gun again and I'd go back into my visualization, like on, every, every now and again, opening my eyes, visualizing the terrain as much as I could. And then I'd close them and then just map it out again and really put myself on the road every single day so that by the time I was moving, because I had so many things I was fighting just starting to run, you know, like you, you, you limp for about half an hour to 40 minutes, you limp because you're just so sore and stiff. And so when did that, so but I was, I was trying, how soon did that start? Like how soon, how many days before it was like, this is literally horrific for the first half an hour of, of running? Like, was that day two or three or four or day 10? Like, when did it start getting just minging first thing in the morning? Um, yeah, roughly around day 10, day 10, I started to get really stiff and my Achilles um, swelled like to double size. Like the, the Achilles was, 
you know, 10 centimeters in width that was all purple and it was up into my, into my calf. And, and, um, you know, so that started hurting. And then by day 14, uh, my right Achilles did the same thing. And due to the amount of days that I was limping and favoring one side, I'd created an imbalance yeah. biomechanically. And so, <laughs> yeah. um, by week three, I actually tore my right meniscus in my right knee. And then by week four, tore my left piriformis, both overuse injuries and just starting to deteriorate. And then uh, week seven, I broke um, I broke some metatarsals in my right foot um, as well. And so I spent uh, a good seven to eight days uh, walking ultra marathon so i was out walking for 12 to 13 hours so you just walk I'd you'd walk the be, whole you just walked the whole thing because you couldn't even jog right couldn't jog and then my my transition back into running was you know when i felt a bit more movement or i felt a bit more energetic i'd test the shuffle and then it's like the old glenn hoddle shuffle, magic shuffle. And- yeah i know it i know it <laughs> but it's magical when you're like and you're like <laughs> it's I'm, i can do it and it's just like wow like oh man, i almost never thought that i'd be able to it's, do this again yeah it's like that scene from forrest gump where he's a kid and he's running and his calipers come off and yeah. he's just running yeah, down yeah. the road it, well the funny <laughs> thing is it like it feels like that and then i've watched uh, i don't know if you've seen the between best film i've watched effectively back what it was actually like and in my mind and i'm 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 scripted i'm i'm you hear me talking about how i felt like i was sprinting and then you watch the, yeah. you watch the clip and it's like okay you, you're going a bit more than a shuffle but you're pushing it calling that a sprint jacket but that's what it that's what it feels like right it does man it feels it feels like freedom you know it feels and, um... yeah <laughs> So transitioning back into running, I found that momentum again in the shuffle. And then I spent, uh, I'd periodized my rehabilitation back into running. So I'd go um, uh, like two kilometers of shuffling and then I'd do three kilometers of walking. Right. I'd get the pit, pit stop, rehydrate, two kilometers, three kilometers. And then that soon turned to two and a half, two and a half then three kilometers of running, two kilometers of walking. And then slowly but surely I got back to that jog slash uh, run. And once those injuries had passed, um, you know, I was back at my peak, my, my knee still felt a bit stiff and it was still a bit sore, um, most mornings, but I, uh, I, I was very blessed. Um, rock tape reached out halfway through and they said, Hey man, we saw you wearing some tape. We just, you know, we want to hook you up and send you a whole box and bless them. They sent me like 20 to 30 rolls of tape and I went through most of them, but I taped my knee, um, which I wasn't fond of because I was still worried about that imbalance. You know, I didn't want to, you know, overcompensate in different areas and then have long-term conditions there on after, but it, it, it didn't, it didn't happen that way. I was, I was completely mindful about each foot placement. Um, You know, I wear um, zero drop shoes, wide toe box. I was wearing ultra runners. Um, And so I knew where my foot was hitting every time. So I knew the, I knew the the impact, how how each muscle was contracting, and I was fully cognizant of it because when you're out there running that long, there's it's either you and your thoughts or it's yeah. focus. And and if you focus and become hyper vigilant in in how you're performing, you actually you have a tendency to perform at a higher level, which is a no brainer really. But when you're in the thick of things and in the flow of things, it's not always 
case right so yeah yeah it 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 took a while it took about six weeks about six weeks to to fully come to and um after that i was i was good as gold you know i could run i was my times were getting faster i was doing 60 kilometers in about i don't know i think the fastest i did 60 was five five hours 35 or or something like that you know so times were getting faster i was getting um and because i was getting faster i was reducing the amount of pit stops i was having and then when that was occurring i was like you know what let's increase the distance and so i went to 80ks and then i went to 100ks and then um when we got to that that last day i'd planned that we landed in a town in grafton which was 100 170 plus kilometers depending on what road I took and I knew that I could do that in 24 hours and I did, I did it in 24 hours, right on the, nice. right on the money. And I don't know whether I was like thinking about that the whole time or whether it was by chance, but yeah, nailed it right on the 24 hour mark. Um, so if I, I was trying to do a little bit of quick math that if you didn't 4,000 kilometers in roughly 80 days, like that's like an average, an average of 50 K a day. Is that, Am I doing the math right on that? But you did some that were much bigger and some that were then smaller than 50K? Yeah, 4,552 kilometers. So roughly right. it was anywhere between uh, 53 and 65 were the average yeah. days that I would do. Yeah. yeah. And you were going more than 10K, 10K an hour for some of those longer ones, which is which in my mind having tried like is, is that's shifting <laughs> for like a lot for 60k like a day after day that is that is significant like someone can go out and do one 10k in an hour and you're like oh, that's okay but you go well try doing that maybe six times a day for 80 days and um, tell me that that's not absolutely <laughs> shifting um, good on you good on you it's um i think but i think um What's the history of this run? Has anyone done this exact run before? I believe I've, I've listened to a podcast where someone else is just as crazy as you that ran from coast to coast in Australia. Is that right? Or is, is there anyone, is it, am I right in that? Is, or are you the only one or is there, is there a whole group of crazy people like you? Like where, what, where does this stand in sort of just context <laughs> of other crazy people? <laughs> yeah so no no one's done this direct route that i had done um the only furthest distance across australia would have been um the most western coast which I, I i didn't even know about this western point until about a month out and a good friend of mine he was starting a month after i started doing the same thing but going from the western which would have added 500 more k's he was and that would have made it 5,000. he was doing 100 k's right. a day um but he he got injured very injured on the fourth day but um no one's done the route that i've done uh, especially not in that time and then at the same time there was a young gentleman from sydney who did um perth to sydney and it was a i think it was like four thousand five hundred kilometers or or something four thousand three hundred four thousand three hundred and eighty kilometers i think it was so at the same time there was um, there was us three gentlemen that were taking it on. There was a, a woman from Melbourne who was doing top to toe. So the most Northern right. tip of Australia to the most Southern tip. So she was doing a marathon a day. Um, and then at the same time when, you know, in my transit across the country, there was like two to three, um, 
walkers who just decided that one day they wanted to make something of their life and they just bought this unique pram and packed all of their life into the pram and they were walking from coast to coast so nice. there's a yeah it must have been something in the air at the time wow. so there's a few people doing it that's for sure yeah wow um when when you take on something like that you know you you described like the reason the background before and i said like the, the, there's if you're going to do something like that even just to want to do something like that there's got to be a really strong why and then to actually achieve it and be able to do it the the, the why had to be there like and that was something much bigger than you um what were like my experience from a much smaller situation was that it ended up being nothing about what I thought it was going to be about at the beginning. Um, mm -hmm. What, and you had, a, a, you know, 81 days over two and a half months, you no know, three months. It's a long period of time. The, the cycle of emotions as well as what was important to you at the time, like perspective on life and things like how how much did your yeah how much did things change or maybe they didn't change because you was already in that zen place i don't know and but and what was what's like your biggest learning point from it that you want to share with with people that's not to do with i think like me it's like you don't have a um if someone reaches out and says oh what's your what training pro what's your running program for 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 doing like an ultra i'm like there isn't one i ain't got one i'm not i've got i'm not trying to get anyone else to be good at ultra running i'm not even a blooming ultra runner like what's what's your what's your big <laughs> well, how did things change things must have changed across 80 days in your in your head or whatever um and what's the big what's the big what's the take-home message for people Yeah, it's a great, it's a great question, man. Um, because this was at the forefront of my mind, uh, running every day. It, it is by far the deepest spiritual work that I've ever done. It has mm -hmm. been the deepest self-development work that I've ever done. Um, merely because, you know, you're out there, you're confronted by the environments, the climate, the traffic, animals, like you're confronted by all of these things that for the most pardon me, for the most part, uh, would trigger your biology or signal your biology to take up a more sympathetic tone. And you get used to that as with all things that you start to condition yourself to, you get used to things and you find ways of coping and you find new mechanisms of being able to regulate yourself. But there's one thing that I could not escape. And that was no matter how distracted I was, no matter how in tune with my body I was, I could never ever get away from my thoughts or out of my head. And what I mean by getting out of my head was not being like analytical and trying to process things or anything like that, but being present, like being so present inside of myself and knowing that I am ultimately responsible for absolutely every single outcome and thing in my life you know mm -hmm. uh, um i work i worked with you know i know you're uh you know logan um 
from over at Deuce, right? So yeah. I worked with Logan for uh, over 12 months and we, and we become quite quite close. I reached out to him and said, I'd like for you to coach me. And uh, in that time, he, he had many one-liners that I've written down and committed <laughs> to memory and I'll never forget. But there's he has a way with words and bringing, bringing context to a sentence. But he said this one thing that stayed with me and it was so relevant for the run. It was like, your greatest responsibility in this life is that you're responsible for yourself. And that never left me. Like it, it stayed with me for so long. And when I was running and I was so intrinsically motivated, I was so aware that every, every single thing that I was doing, including the way that I react and respond and reflex to things I was ultimately responsible for. Mm. And I could never get away from that. And so in an effort to not want to get away from those things, I discovered that it wasn't just in those moments of adversity or challenge or obstacle. It wasn't just in those moments. It was in every single moment of every single minute of every day. And, you know, I was blessed to be able to get up, you know, I've, I've healed my body. I, I've, I don't have any of those medical conditions anymore. And so I was blessed to be able to get up, even though I was in pain, put my shoes on, be yeah. ready to go for a run, do the ultra, come back to camp, be a father to my two children who were both under four, and then be a husband and then take care of myself whilst asking for others to take care of me. Like yeah. I was so blessed to be able to do things, but in every single moment, I was so grateful because there's so much power in knowing you're responsible for everything. And I believe that that's, it's so neglected in today's society because we're we're always externally motivated by things or trying to distract ourselves with all of the shiny stuff where really, if you sit in it, and and this is why I'm so motivated by this type of work um, is in healing, specifically using, you know, breath work and, and other sorts of tools is, when you sit in it, whether it's uncomfortable or comfortable is irrelevant, when you sit in it, you become this advanced student in your own classroom with your own education. And by the time you finish sitting in it, you become an advanced student. You become this human being that just is just leveled up and leveled up. And you're not comparing yourself against anything except who you were a minute ago or a day ago or a month ago. That's the only person you can compare yourself against. And the only person you should be chasing is you from five years from now, you know, and and ultimately identifying what path it is that you want to take forward, what that person looks like in five years and how you can re-engineer whatever that is to create actionable tasks towards goals and dreams and then take Mm. purpose in your life. And, but it starts with knowing we are responsible for ourselves and knowing that we have the power to heal ourselves, whether it is emotional, physically, yeah. spiritually, whatever it is, we have that power, you know? Yeah. And that was the biggest takeaway for me. Um, you know, and I, ever since then, I've been, I've been trying to write a chapter a day for my mm-hmm. book, but it's you know other things come and yeah, take yeah, over yeah, that time sure. and i'm not as not as disciplined but i can't get away from this feeling or this this notion of exactly that and the more and more i break it down like i'll write a chapter or parts of a chapter and i'll stumble across some sort of theory and then i'll spend a week 
breaking that theory down and looking deeper into it. And it just so happens at that exact moment, I have the honor of being able to work with people outside who are presenting with those exact stories. And it's like, yeah, it's just this beautiful universe we live in with opportunity. Yeah. I think there's the bit that um, resonates most with me. And I think that that's the, um, such a huge uh, gift we can try and help people engage in is that like total immersion in the in the moment as you were saying like the when you take on a run or something like that everything's stripped away and it is literally Mm -hmm. like right you know am I going to put my shoes on today am I gonna am I gonna take the next step and like you I I had it for three days you had it for nearly three months where literally nothing else matters other than trying to get from a to b when you're doing that 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 thing and so um i remember feeling like wow uh i didn't look at a single email i didn't look at any social media i didn't do anything other than try and get from a to b which was running around this island in in wales for three days and it was horrendous it's like the worst thing i've ever done in terms of like physically and mentally no doubt absolutely no doubt but it's the best thing i've ever done you know this and it's and it's that paradox but it's i think that the reason it's the best thing i ever did because uh it just forced me to do nothing else apart from be completely present for three whole days and the challenge I have for myself and the invitation I think for everyone else is like, where do we, um, where do we find those opportunities? Because they're always there. As you said, it's there at every moment of every single, as someone's listening to this now, that is one of those moments, but are you listening to this and being present and immersed in it? Or are you being distracted because you're doing something else at the same time? And, you know, I just had it then as I, you'd said something earlier and it triggered a thought for me and I wanted to ask you a question. And then I'm thinking about what I'm going to ask you whilst you're finishing the rest of your own last section. And I'm not fully immersed mm. in that because I'm thinking about what I want to ask. And it's not through only because I want to ask you a good question. It wasn't, there's nothing bad in that, but it's just so easy not to be um, in that mm-hmm. moment. And uh, and then the other thing for me was um, that you you will have experienced as well with your small team is, having that team around you where you're just so broken that you rely on other people. And when, you know, I was the same as you, like having your wife there, it's just like, it's such a special thing to, to be. And I I guess it's probably slightly, um, you were talked right at the beginning about um, the masculinity and getting, and and that architect and helping men with that. Um, but at the same side, at the same time, the flip side of that was I was like, I need my wife more than ever. Like she literally ran nearly, well, she ran over half of it bleeding with me. Um, and that was, that was just a beautiful experience, um, from those, from those two things. So yeah, I've been inspired by people like you to take on my own, um, journey. I don't, want necessarily people to be like all oh, right um 
So what run do I have to go and do? It's like the run was the vehicle that forced us to be present. Um, You know, for me, when I signed up to mine, um, I think my father been diagnosed with cancer and and that's where he's from, um, that, that place in Wales. But he wasn't, there wasn't any indication. It was like, oh no, it's bad. It's, um, I'm going to forget now. It's, um, well, I can't remember, but the type of cancer was, it was like, oh no, like you'll, you'll just live with it. You won't, the treatment's fine. Like you're not going to die all of a sudden. And he lasted like less than mm-hmm. a year from that point. And I, I had three days of like opportunity to actually process was process that, um, you know, he passed away in the April and the run was in the September and like, I'm grateful for that time. Um, like you say, you've, you're, you're there on the road running or you, you know, you're there running and there's, there's you <laughs> and there's your steps and, and there's your thoughts and there's, that's it. Um, and my encouragement for, for, for myself and for other people is like a, a physical challenge can be a great doorway to get into th- th- those spaces, but also where can we, where can we do that without physically ruining like you described a lot of injuries that you picked up like how how where can we and, th- and this probably leads us nicely into those um those questions uh or that question oh I do, i'm going to go ask it leads you into like the work you do now for for helping people regulate nervous system trauma release and everything i just wanted to ask you one specific question about um about dietary stuff like you um you mentioned salts you recommended to me you were like mate the the LMNT, um, uh, salts are like incredible it's like the thing you need to take i was like and and, and they were very kind they sent me a, a a number of boxes of this stuff that um yeah never ever ever had an inkling of cramp for the whole three days whereas yeah. anytime i'd done a marathon distance before um i'd always get cramp so that yeah. was massive in for such long, you know, ketogenic diet, getting into ketosis, um, was that ever part of your training or fueling strategies? Like some, you know, it can it can be quite big within the the super ultra endurance world, which um, I'm, I think four thousand four and a half thousand kilometers fits into the super duper. Um, what, <laughs> yeah, was was there any aspect of that for you in sort of in sort of like training in the build up? Are you uh, are you down with that type of um, diet or or not where does it sit for you yeah it was it was predominantly my my diet in preparation you know when i you know i spent three years training for this project and and majority of that i spent um either in a keto keto diet or framework and or in ketosis um and that was that was present prior to training because I enjoyed that way of eating. My body responded mm. really well. You know, my, my ancestry is, is from the UK and, right. um, and Scotland. And so when I dove back into my primal blueprint, identifying where my bloodline came from, what types of foods were available in all generations in terms of, um, you know, right, wow. my heritage and how financially stable my heritage were. And then financial stability in those generations um, was completely, you know, their nutrition was completely dependent upon, upon their financial stability. And so right, I mapped yeah. that back 
so that I could get a good understanding of what my genetic bloodline looked like and I could identify what types of foods I was going to respond well to and what not so well to. Um, I tried carnivore for a little bit and, you know, I absolutely loved it. And, and then you get to a point where, you know, you just, I don't know if this is a, if it is a real statement or not, but where you get sick of eating meat and, <laughs> You know, it wasn't just about eating the meat, you know, it was obviously animal products and those types of things. But, you know, I enjoy consuming nutrients. I enjoy eating fruit and I enjoy having, you know, honey and peanut butter and all of these things and and olives and avocados and and then pickled stuff, you know, like I'm, I'm a sucker for sauerkraut and pickles. Mm -hmm. and, well, when you said, when you said Scottish, so, I was thinking... I, Meats and tatties and uh, uh, battered Mars bars. <laughs> I was thinking, that's not a... <laughs> Maybe that's, nah. new, that's more new school, uh, Scottish. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I, I, I transitioned across to, to keto where I was able to, you know, have those types of foods be present in my diet, still feel completely satiated and not having to eat as regularly. Um, when I'm not doing endurance projects, um, I can put on bulk quite easily, which in turn makes me hungry all the time. Um, I was going to say, so I've seen people watching posts. on people watching the video. If you look at uh, Will's Instagram, we'll put a link in the show notes. If you look at Will's Instagram from when he was running, it's like fair to say you became very slight. Yeah. I'm looking and I'm like going, how do you get so jacked straight away after? I mean, it's probably been a lot longer than I think, <laughs> but like you're jacked. You don't, yeah. And like how much, what do you weigh now? What did you weigh at the start? And how much weight did you lose? I was 83 kilos when I started the run. And that yeah. was like a consistent, I was still doing 200 plus kilometers a week in training, but, and I was still wow. 83 kilos, which was, which was good. And that was in ketosis as well. Yeah. Um, and then by the time I finished the run, I was 69 kilos. Whoa. And then <laughs> I weighed. That's how, that's how I much I weighed when I was 17. Now. You weigh 85 now. Nice. <laughs> Have you ever used... Eight, um, 85 now. The, the, there's some stuff around like brain health as well, but like ketones for um, like supplementary ketones. So you don't actually have to need to be in ketosis. It's like just they are ketones. You're just actually these, you, you know, you are taking the, the ketones. There's a ketone IQ from HMVM, um, American company. If you come across them or used... Use them. There's some some really nice research on like for from from brain health and brain injury uh, rehabilitation stuff like that. So where I got introduced to it from, but also from being able to help with that fuel supply, particularly when you don't want to eat anything. Is that something? Did you explore that at all? Is that something you've seen or? Yeah. So um, right before I started running, we lived in America for four months because we, we were still nomadic. We lived on the road um, in our caravan for two years, and we spent time <laughs> cool. here, time abroad, and and uh, whilst I was in America, um, I was still working over there. I was running workshops and doing different types of speaking events and and um, hosting breathwork seminars. And I got into contact with someone who was um, directly involved with the HVMN project. Oh, cool. And um, they put me in, into, into contact with them, um, with the CEO directly, chatted with him. He just happens to be an ultra runner as well, an yeah. avid runner. And so... 
he was he was so inspired by it. He said, I'm, I'm going to hook you up and send you through to the team. And I ended up working with this, this gentleman named Michael. And um, they yeah. sent me, I've still got some, like they sent me cartons at the start of the run and I've still got shots and or bottles in the fridge, yeah. you know? So yeah. um, I was taking that, I was taking shots of that a day um, and I still continue to. Some mornings I, I neglect them because I have a bulletproof. I, yeah. I like a bulletproof instead of just a plain coffee. Um, yeah. You know, mid-morning I'll have a bulletproof coffee. Uh, but if I'm having if I'm having crashes, um, mind you, I don't crash often because I'm I'm aware of where I'm at, how my body's yeah. operating, and and usually I can pinpoint what exactly is wrong. But if I'm having spontaneous crashes and it's not an ideal time to have a crash, I will take a shot during the day of yeah. the ketones IQ, um, which just gives me that little bit more um, yeah. focus and, and removal of brain fog. Cause I can deal with the lethargy, um, but can't deal with the brain fog. I get yeah. frustrated with having yeah. brain fog and, yeah. you know, no, I've, I've seen when that. I'm writing a lot, it just, yeah. It's about, yeah. Super helpful for, for that. Like I've seen big improvements in my sleep. Um, as well and then say there's the there's the brain injury side of it like during the acute phase when the the brain's being restricted from from blood flow but that's uh that's a separate thing oh cool yeah no that's interesting yep. to interesting to know yeah um i'm i'm starting to utilize it now for i've got a, a short a small two-day ultra coming up the first thing i've done in terms of a decent event um in mm -hmm. at the beginning of april and it'll be the first time i'll have done an event as uh fueled on the as, as having the ketones as part of actually my fueling strategy so i'm interested to see i've been using it in training i'm interested to see how the how that goes that goes on so um just finish off that like then by moving into what you then do now in terms of the the the, the run was a was a vehicle was a um an experiment was like proving something to people to open open opportunities i guess and and give you a give you a space to connect with people on a on a totally different level where you're you're breaking misconceptions about what's possible in terms of healing in terms of trauma in terms of nervous system regulation what does there's some there's some there's some big words in there and people may have come across those words but i always think a lot of the time it can be a bit it can mean different things to different people depending on what their experience has been like. Um, what does the work that you do in that area, what does it look like? What does it entail? Um, yeah. Yeah. It's a fantastic point, man. Like, um, you know, I'm a facilitator or teacher. So we, we hold a 12 month containers slash mentorship where we work with men uh, from all over the globe uh, in a very intimate setting. Um, it's become a brotherhood where they're connecting um, in and around what we're, what we're learning together, but also external from that. We, we host um, weekly virtual meetings, uh, monthly gatherings in and around the campfire. There's quite some potent medicine around the campfire being what it is. Cause when you sit around the campfire together, especially with a bunch, bunch of men and, someone someone breaks the floodgates and I lets it go the and then all of a sudden it's yeah. like it's just like all around and so that's just such a beautiful medicine in itself and then we have two big retreats a year um where we go to this specific 
um, location here in New South Wales, and uh, we 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 dive deep together. Everything from um, you know breath work to to cold plunge to uh, music to warrior initi- initiations and, and ceremonial practices. But the main point to to dive into here is exactly what you said. It can mean so many different things to so many different people, and for each man that has stepped into this brotherhood, they're not necessarily reaching out saying, Hey, I've got some trauma and I want to heal that. Like it's not, that's not what's happening. You know, they're, they've got all these other things that are occurring in their lifestyle that is impacting them, whether it be physically, emotionally, or financially or spiritually, these other things are impacting them. It could be, you know, broken relationships or, or going through a separation or divorce or, living away from their children, being in a job they don't like, being financially, um, their financial hygiene's, uh, you know, unhealthy or spiritual hygiene's unhealthy, physical, like there's so many different things. And so, you know, stepping into this container, they're, they're not just learning, you know, one thing to fix that one problem. They're, they're becoming part of a community that is connecting from the heart and in a in a in a space of of love and compassion and non-judgment and acceptance and all of these things and more often than yeah. not that's enough yeah. that's enough but to take it deeper because we want these men we want all men and all people to prosper in life and be filled with abundance that's that's a dream of ours you know but what we want these men to walk away with is a toolbox where in any one moment if their environment is signaling them to, you know, have these reflexive behaviors that aren't beneficial to them, Mm. then they know that they can pull on this tool and know exactly what's going on, how to apply it, how to mitigate the risk of it getting worse or or prolonged, and then be able to move through it eloquently. You know, we, um, my, uh, my good friend Casper, he talks, he talks about, you know, uh, input versus output you know, in the circles of optimization. And as human beings, we're just these information gathering machines, you know, we're <laughs> taking in information, even when we don't know that we are. More and in a lifetime, all those... more we're taking more information in one day or one hour or something than we used to in a lifetime, you know, because of the internet, apparently, like, yeah. Exactly, Sorry. exactly, right. And And our surroundings are changing, like, evolution in its essence is is i wouldn't necessarily say upgrading but it is moving forward at a rapid rate and yeah. so even to sit here in my living room you know i my body is taking in information of the state of different rooms the energy that was maybe here present the the plants that are around the stuff that's here in front of me hearing your voice hearing my voice like information is consistent and that's mm. input now output what goes into us right and that's our circles of optimization where we identify how the information comes in how we process it the story we give it the narrative we give it mm. and then what is our output or our behavior or reaction to that information coming in yeah. and so for these men it's giving them the tools to navigate that learn about the stresses in their lives which ones are healthy which ones are not learn how to manage and regulate anxiety or stress when it's present learn how to communicate effectively and non-violently learn how to look after your body through gentle movement practices yin and yang movement practices learn how to you know uh, nourish your body by working in harmony with the earth 
right? Like using regenerative soils in farming or, or shopping local at farmers that do that and having produce that is clean of all the crap that they spray all over it. Like all of these things are vital to both the evolution of us and the success that we have in our individual lives. And so when you fix one, it becomes easier to fix the next. And then when you, you find yourself flowing in the motion of these things, just operating in harmony, all the other crap that goes on in our life seems to fall back into place. Like, mm -hmm. why was I so worried about that before? I don't even care about that anymore because I'm back in balance. My energy mm -hmm. levels are back. My sleep's at eight hours plus. <clears throat> I'm breathing better. My breathing mechanics are better. My nervous system is parasympathetic much rather than being in that state of survival 24 seven, you know? So mm. yeah, for the men that are here with us, they're, they're getting so much more than they expected, but at the same time, that is snowballing into their lives and affecting more people again. And yeah, so the ripple it's, it's beautiful, beautiful yeah. work to be a part of. And, and I feel very honored and blessed that the trust that they give us. Yeah. Well, to sound very Australian, good on you, mate. Um, <laughs> but there's just i want to like emphasize one bit that really resonated with me um for you say within all that partly because it also um might be a misconception around the getting back to masculinity whereas which you said at the start and then one of the things you said is like um doing this through love and showing love and people people feeling loved um and cared mm -hmm. for within this brotherhood as you as you put it which um someone when they may hear the term masculinity they might think that they might not necessarily think of of that side of it and in terms of healing there's a a doctor dr sally bell that we do some she's part of the rooted life team we do some um work together um where she said with all of the patients that she's ever seen those that get better and those that don't get better the one thing that she has seen that's a common denominator is whether that person feels loved or not. Mm -hmm. so if they feel loved, they can get better. If they don't know that they're loved, it's very difficult for them to get better, which I think is, yeah, you, you highlight there and you're doing some beautiful stuff there. Um, so, so yeah, so keep it up. Um, I think that the, the most important thing for the, for the end of the podcast is for people to this type of work that you're doing, it's, People need to come and see you or, or be able to contact you, be able to find out, you know, it's talking about it is fine, but where can people actually plug in and, and how can they find out more about what you're doing and actually get to, to work with you or gain some access to, to, to the tools that you're, that you're, that you're delivering. Yeah, they can, um, Instagram right now is my, my only hub where to extrapolate that we're building some other ecosystems in and around that as we transition from a, from a different side of tech, but Instagram, I'm, I'm there and, and accessible. I have some links in there that people can access. Um, and then, you know, I, I get back to all my messages, you know, I, I have messages during the day that they, they pile up and I might not get back that day, but I, I personally get back to all my messages and yeah, where on. I can support. I always will, you know, yeah. I, I, there's, maybe three to four times a week that I just have random phone calls because somebody um, dropped a comment on a post and I felt that their energy may have been a bit low. And I reached out and I say, Hey, yeah. do you want to have a chat? And they're yeah. like, yep. And I book a call. We have a chat. 
and they, and we go about our ways, but, and that's, that's where the work is. Right. Yeah. So yeah, most people can find me there on Instagram and I imagine you'll put my link in the, yeah. in the show notes, but it's at, at the mind.mechanic. Um, yeah. Yeah. So at the mind.mechanic, check out on Instagram and then you can find all of the links to uh, how you can, uh, how you can connect. So, um, yeah, highly uh, recommend people go and follow Will and the work that he's doing. And if you clearly he's a man of um, great love and integrity. And if you if you want to reach out, just encourage you to do that. And um, as he says, he'll he'll get back to you. Um, so, Will, mate, oh, I don't know, like, thank you. But also like, wow, what you've done. Um, there's a need to talk to you separately, probably off air. Because there's a the there's the the coastal path around the the whole of the United Kingdom is eight and a half thousand kilometers, so it would be you know close to twice what you did. Um, that's something that I've gone like it's it's too big a jump to do, but that's something that's on that I'm like that would allow me to the, the little island that I live on in this amazing world would be allow us to go and see the whole entire place. And it wouldn't be a race to try and do it. Someone's done it, I think, in like 100 odd days or something. Um, mm. It wouldn't be about that. It'd be about the experience. But um, <laughs> you may well say to me, Jacko, that's not for you. I don't Oof. know. We'll, 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 we, can, we, can, we can talk off air maybe, but I'm just putting it out there. <laughs> don't dangle that carrot. I'll chew yeah. it. <laughs> <laughs> you train for three years to do yours so say yeah. again sorry you trained for three years to do yours i need to i need to put a bit more work in i did yeah to do that mate well i'll ask you about that off air but i've just thrown it out there into the world and people can badger me uh the listeners can, can <laughs> the listeners can make a vote maybe we could have a we could have a vote um i think i can do a poll on spotify actually if you're listening on spotify um right but well thank you so much for joining um it's been an absolute pleasure and um yeah we'll we'll stay connected and um i look forward to seeing yeah more of what you're doing and and and, and staying connected ourselves as well appreciate you brother it's been an absolute pleasure to talk with you again man take care send you lots of love <laughs> and, and you. Uh, yeah let's connect soon wow uh there we have it then um will burnett he's ran across the whole of australia wow um i can't put into words um you know it was great i actually had the chance to connect with him before he did that run and before i did the the ring of fire and those that have seen the between best film will know that okay i did three days which is nothing compared to what he did but i did experience a bit of trauma um and challenge i can't put into words what on earth must have been going through that guy's mind and body um yeah special special individual um and as you heard there at the end, I, um, yes, I have something in my, uh, I've said it out loud when we did to the, to the people that came to the private screening of the Between Breaths um, film in the, the, the cinema screening in, in Nottingham. And um, yeah, that, that notion of running around the UK, it wouldn't be a race. Remember, it's not a race. It wouldn't even be an event. It'd be an experience. Um so that's eight and a half thousand kilometers or something like that um would be the opportunity to see the whole of this little island that we live on called the united kingdom um, or that i live on called the united kingdom um interested in feedback is that just 
dumb? Is that just you're like you're just being stupid? Um, is is that something you're like? Oh, I'd come and run a bit of it with you. Uh, Mrs. Jacko is is keen so long as it's not um, so long as it's not a race and we take our time and we have a nice time and we we see the places rather than just having a horrendous race for a checkpoint. Um, obviously, there's some significant logistical hurdles to to get over to make that happen. But um, yeah, would is it just stupid um, and is it just ego? So give us some feedback or. Is it like, yeah, that sounds as an experience, that sounds cool. Um, and yeah, I'd come and run a bit of the path with you on a, a couple of days or whatever. Like I'll come and run 5K with you or 10K or maybe you come for a week. We'd, it would probably take us six months or something. Five or six months is 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 realistic, if not longer. <laughs> so there'd be plenty of time to come. If you are based in the UK, um, yeah, I just, I'm putting it out there and I'd just love to, um, it's not going to be anytime soon. He did three years of training to do half of that. So um we need to put some work in so we've got plenty of time to plan it um but yeah no i'd love to hear i'd love to hear um feedback on what people think um so yeah thanks forever for for listening i believe on um spotify you can do a poll so um if you haven't don't listen to the podcast on spotify if you head over to spotify you can actually answer this question in, in a poll format um, if you're watching it on youtube um you can just make a comment in the comments um or if you want to connect a little bit more uh, on instagram jacko.david.jackson on instagram or you can email me info at probreathwork.com um so yeah look look forward to uh, i look forward to hearing from you and maybe uh, maybe running with you around the uk for a bit of it in a few years time maybe who knows we'll see um but yeah thanks for for listening uh, you've been breathing i've been jacko that was Will. Until next time, keep it nasal. <laughs>